Last Sunday, we started a series in the second half of the book of Exodus. This Sunday, we have a brief departure, mainly because of the joy of giving thanks for the birth of Hannah and dedicating her parents to this job that God has given them. In our reading, however, even though we're departing from Exodus, we're not going that far away from the book of Exodus. We're just jumping over to the book of Deuteronomy. That's just three books away in the Bible. Indeed, Deuteronomy is part of the story of Exodus. It's it's the end story of Exodus. In the beginning of the story of Exodus, you may remember, you may remember from having seen that film, The Ten Commandments, with uh, Charlton Heston. Or if you're younger, you may remember from the film, The Prince of Egypt, that was produced by Disney. That story, the story of Exodus, is the story of God bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt. God in bringing them out, saves them from a a cruel tyrant called Pharaoh, who was the the king of Egypt. And as we said last week, God didn't just take his people on the most direct route to his promised land when he brought them out of Egypt. God had them go in a roundabout way. And God had them go in this roundabout way because he wanted them to get to know him and as in any good relationship getting to know someone is really really important indeed god's intention in bringing the people out of egypt was so that they could have a special relationship they with him and he with them it was meant to be a relationship of love it was meant to be like a marriage relationship. In fact, God even organizes something that looks like a wedding ceremony in, in the middle of their journey through the wilderness when they get to a place called Mount Sinai. There was a ceremony so that everyone understood how important this relationship was. The relationship between God and his people was known by a very important word in the Bible, a word that that we as God's people should probably know very well. It's the word covenant. Covenant means a solemn agreement to commit to one another. It's a word that we often use about marriage, but most importantly, it is a word that we use about God's relationship with his people. Now, God does some amazing things for his covenant people in the wilderness on their way to the promised land as they've come out of Egypt. And he teaches them some very, very important lessons. He gives them his laws there on Mount Sinai. Indeed, most of the content of the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, as well as the book of Deuteronomy, are all God's laws that he gives to his people Israel. These laws that he gives them weren't to burden them, but to help them to live well with him 
and to live well in the land that he was giving to them. So in the book of Deuteronomy, from which we are going to have our reading this morning, the children of Israel finally get to the place where they're about to enter the promised land. It's taken them 40 years to get to this place. God, through Moses, gives them some final instructions. And our reading this morning is part of those final instructions. And Gregor is going to come and read those instructions for us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he's commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Thank you, Gregor. We have been reflecting on God's word, but we turn now to reflect on it even further. So let's pray as we we turn there and ask for God's guidance. Lord God, come now by your spirit, inspire us even further to understand your word more deeply, that we might walk with you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know, but is it obvious in today's world that being a parent is one of the hardest jobs, if not the toughest job, that there is going? I think it probably isn't obvious in our day and age. Indications are that in our society that folks don't really seem to think that this job of being a parent is all that big a deal. Unlike other important and difficult jobs, nobody gives us any training to do it. And there is very little support, if any, in fulfilling the role of being a mom or a dad. It sometimes seems to me like in society, the skills of parenting are are supposed to come to you naturally somehow. But taking responsibility for another totally vulnerable human being, getting little sleep or no sleep from day one, and having this this other person invade all your other relationships is something that doesn't come naturally to 
anyone. And that's only the initial stages of parenthood. That's not even considering the vital skills that are needed to put up with, yet alone love and guide teenagers or grown-up children, for that matter. Now, folks in the past, I think, had more of an understanding of just how tough parenting can be. In more traditional societies, even today, there is far more support for new parents. In the past, not only were grandparents and aunties and uncles and neighbors more involved in helping new parents, there was also more support from the community for parents, especially when it came to passing on faith. Just think about it. For many of us in living memory, there was a daily assembly at school where children heard the Bible being read, heard someone say a prayer, learned to say the Lord's Prayer themselves, and maybe learned a a hymn or two. Here in Bigger, so I'm told, loads of boys used to attend and greatly enjoy Boys Brigade. Those things, sadly, just don't happen anymore. I've heard loads of folks bemoan the fact that these things have disappeared. They even attribute the demise of religion and the institution of the church to the fact that there are no longer prayers in school or a BB company meeting on a Thursday night in the hall. But whereas the loss of these things is sad, whereas the loss of these things are an indicator as to where we are headed as a society they perhaps have not played as big a factor in the demise of religion as we might imagine. According to a social scientist and his research that came out just this last year, Christian Smith, in this recent study, Handing Down Faith, he indicates that there is a bigger factor at play a bigger factor in the trend of people turning away from the church in their teenage and early adult lives in our society. And surprisingly, it is a factor that was identified back, way back, in this ancient book of Deuteronomy, and in particular, the passage that we were reading this morning. In his research, Christian Smith identifies the number one factor It means a child will continue in faith after childhood. And that factor is that faith was talked about in the home. Faith was talked about in the home. And conversely, the reason faith wasn't passed on is because it wasn't talked about in the home. Surprisingly, although these things are important, it wasn't the child attending Sunday club or going to a scripture union camp or even having a hip minister who led them in f- to faith in a Bible class. It was simply that faith was talked about in the home. Now, there's probably more to it than just having conversations around the ten- dinner table about the theory of the atonement. 
It was probably that faith wasn't just discussed or talked about in the home, but it was talked about because it was important to the family. It was probably that prayer, too, happened in the home and that mom and dad or just mom or just dad, the research doesn't show that both parents need to be on board with this but that both mom and dad or mom and dad believed that their faith was important in everyday decisions and in everyday life. It's like it says in our scripture passage, mom or dad strove to love the Lord with all their heart and soul and strength, that they kept the commandments and God's teachings on their hearts. It's not easy to pass on faith to a child, just as it isn't easy to parent children in any other way. I like an image I came across a few years ago in this respect. It goes like this. Parenting for and in faith is like helping your child on a journey, a journey with and towards God. The fact is, like in this picture, you wouldn't put your child on a bus to journey on their own. If you did that, you'd probably get arrested for abandonment. On any journey that we help our children along, it is important, it is vitally important that we are journeying too, that we're on the bus alongside our children. Now, when it comes to faith, we don't know a great deal. We, by and large, aren't experts. By and large, we feel inadequate at passing on faith to our kids. But, you know, maybe that is all the better. Because when it comes to faith and our children, there is nothing better than being learners together with them. What's important is not that we have all the answers, but that we are on the journey too, exploring and asking questions ourselves about life and faith. And if anyone is here today, parent or not, who wants to explore more about what it means to journey in Christian faith, please, please come and see me or send me an email or give me a call. I'd be delighted to talk to you about the the possible next steps that you can take on this journey. Now, I'll say it again. It's not easy being a parent. And being a Christian parent in this day and age is doubly hard. And although the the primary place of passing on faith is the home, it's not the only place where faith is passed on. The church, too, of course, plays a vital role. We're meant as a church to be family. And the children in our midst are a collective responsibility of us all. 
That's why whenever we have a baptism or this kind of thanksgiving service, we always are asked to make that solemn promise, that promise to guide and nurture children and their parents by word and deed, with love and prayer, encouraging them to know and follow Christ. It's God's plan that as a church family, we're meant to be there for each other. That we're meant to be there to support one another, to hold each other accountable, to share with each other when we are struggling, to lend each other a helping hand, to hold each other up in prayer and to shed tears together as well as to laugh together. This is as important for parenting as it is for any other aspect of the Christian life. But how countercultural is that? Doesn't the culture teach us that we need to do this thing called parenting all on our own or with our partner? And if the two of us aren't able to do it alone, then we're washed up failures. But that is not the way God sees it. We have a family to be there for us and to take responsibility with us. But the most important point about parenting in our faith, however, is not, number one, that we parents need to be on the journey, though that is important. And the most important point is not that we have a church family that is there for us or should be there for us. No, the most important factor in all of this is that God in his grace is with us in this most difficult and fearful journey and in this most difficult job of all. God is with us. He, the God who created us, the one who knows how things work. He, the God and Father of Jesus, who understands how much it hurts to see our children hurt. He who is able to pull a victory out of what appears to be utter defeat, as he did on the cross. This God... This God is with us and with our children as we journey being parents, as as we journey in life and in faith. May God help us all, parents of young children, parents of teenagers, parents of grown-up children, grandparents, people who aren't parents at all but who are part of our family just the same may God help us all to realize his amazing grace and his presence with us as we play our part in being the family of God together in this place and in this day and age may God bless to us these reflections on his holy word Amen